Welcome to the Cornerstone Truth New Creation Podcast. Each week we'll explore fundamental truths about the genuine love of Christ being manifest through His people, the Church. During these studies, we will discover that the sincere love of Christ flows from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is the goal of our instruction, and we are so thankful you're listening today. So this morning, I'd like to have you turn in your Bibles uh, to the book of Psalms, uh, chapter 16 and verse 11. And let's read that together. Psalms chapter 16 and verse 11. Great passage of scripture, and it's really the, the foundation scripture for this year's theme at the Pleasant Hill Church, which is the power of presence. Take a look at this passage. Psalms chapter 16 and verse 11. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. You will make known to me the path of life. In your right hand there is joy, total joy. In your presence there is pleasures forever. Are you living and experiencing that? You know, you really should, because you and I were seated with Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. We have been called, we have been justified, we have been glorified, because we are seated with him in the heavenly places. I want you to turn to the book of Ephesians in chapter 2 to prove that. In the book of Ephesians in chapter 2, it's very clear that you and I, excuse me, Ephesians chapter Uh, 2 beginning in verse 4 that if you're a Christian today you are seated with Christ Jesus you're seated with God in Christ Jesus read with me Ephesians in chapter 2 beginning in verse 4 but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our transgressions made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Brethren, you and I are seated right now in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and and we need to embrace that as our truth. That's our reality And that's really where uh, uh, faith, we need to live by faith and not by sight. If we look around us, we see the world is, is really coming apart at the seams. And yet, in Christ Jesus, our salvation is secure and we have the strength and the power of Christ to overcome. The title of the lesson this morning is Power in His Presence, the Mind of Christ. And we can possess the mind of Christ And as we study the word and make it our own, we do, in fact, walk by faith, having that very mind of Christ. And so Paul said in the book of Philippians in chapter 4 and verse 13, and that's the anchor verse for this morning's lesson, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, if you don't know it, uh, many of us do, I encourage you to turn there right now, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. Powerful passage of scripture. Many people quote it, and yet oftentimes it's it's 
read or understood out of context. And uh, I just pray that we'll understand the context and the circumstances in which Paul wrote this letter. Take a look, chapter 4 and verse 13. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The context is so important. The bigger context of the the book uh, uh, of Philippians and then the, the closer context of what he's talking about in regards to being able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it really is appropriate for today. For the circumstances that we find ourselves in and the situation where now we are all uh, asked to remain at home because of the coronavirus, it really feels like we're being imprisoned uh, you know, home imprisonment. And uh, so we need to recognize that this passage of Scripture really can help us a lot in our uh, work as Christians. So we ask the question, will you listen to the Scriptures as we hear and see the faith of Christ and Paul? Will you be absolutely resolved like Christ and like Paul? Will you totally trust him in this very difficult time? And I pray that you will also be committed to listening to and abiding in the strength that's found in Christ Jesus. So where does Paul get his faith? Where does he get his resolve? Where does he get his trust? And and where does he get his strength? Well, we know that it's in Christ Jesus. But notice Paul said, that, that we have been raised up and seated with him in the heavenly places. So he too is in the heavenly places now, and we are as well in spirit. And so that's where he got his faith. He possesses the faith of Christ. When he was walking in this world, he possessed the faith of Christ. When he walked in this world, he possessed the resolve of Christ. When he walked this way, he trusted God completely as Christ did when he walked the earth. And finally, he found his strength in Christ for he was in Christ where there is fullness of joy and fullness of pleasures forever and the fullness of strength in Christ. Today, you can have that as well. But we must do two things. Number one, we must possess the mind of Christ. And number two, we must walk by the faith of Christ. And those are the two things I want to talk about this morning. And so, if you would take your, your Bibles and take a look at the book of Philippians in chapter 1. The context, the greater context in Philippians in chapter 1. Notice he says in verse 3, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident this very thing, that he will be, he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart. Since in my imprisonment and the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, uh, you all are partakers of grace with me. You see, Paul was in prison. The context of his letter here is that he was in prison. And yet he was thinking about and remembering the saints in prison. And he was reaching out to them in the, the mode and the way that, that he had available to him. And that was, of course, to write letters. 
And so how important it is for us to reach out to the brethren today. Take a look at your lesson plans this morning and notice what it says there. In Christ, we are dwelling with God in joy and in peace right now in our homes, in lockdown. You see, oftentimes we'll get discouraged and frustrated and yet we need to have a change of mind. We need to have the mind of Christ as Paul had the mind of Christ. He used every opportunity to advance the kingdom. And so we are too as well today because we are seated with him in the heavenly places and we do have the power of Christ to do all things and to be more than conquerors. Notice that first check mark there. Paul was in prison, but was filled with great joy and and uh, and uh, uh, great excitement for the love of the brethren that he had for them and they had for us. It reminds me of uh, a really sweet uh, uh, messenger message from Sean O'Donnell this last week. Uh, I sent a message out to many of the men around the country and the world, and and Sean wrote back to me and says, "I really appreciate you, brother." And uh, I'm so thankful that we've reconnected and uh, and that we share so many things in common now as we work in, in Belarus. And then he closed with, I love you. And immediately I remembered, here stuck in my house, I remembered that time when Sean and I in the middle of Minsk, in the middle of the main street of Minsk, on a Sunday morning, met in the middle of that road when there was a red light and I gave him a hug and uh, I told him I just appreciate you carrying on the work as I was catching a plane just a few uh, hours uh, after that. I'll never forget that moment and it came right back to me in my memory. And so I'm so thankful for the many moments that I've had with the brethren and the many moments more that we'll have together. And so don't forget the saints, brethren, as you're in your home. Remember them and reach out to them as Sean did to me this last week and I did to him. Notice the second check there. Paul was in prison, but greatly rejoiced that he had the opportunity to preach the gospel even to the guards that were guarding him in that prison. And he was totally excited and he rejoiced that he was able to encourage the brethren as well the other brothers to be more confident and courageous in preaching the gospel. And so, brethren, how exciting this is. What great opportunities we have to really now reach out and encourage more and touch the hearts of lives of those who are not yet Christ's. You know, look at the third check mark there. Paul was in prison, but he was excited about the opportunities that the future held. And this is all found in chapter one. You know, he said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Is that what you say each day? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And Paul said, you know, his prayer is that God would grant to him many years of opportunity to serve the saints and even those in, in uh, the church at Philippi that he was writing to. But he said, you know what? He desired to serve the saints, but it was much better to go home and be with the Lord. He also says that he's going to manifest the glory of God and glorify God both in his life and in his death. And you know, every moment of our lives, it's the Lord's. And I pray that like Paul, we would be excited and take advantage of the opportunities that we have right now, brethren. Think about it. All the brothers and sisters that need to be encouraged. Think about it. All those in the world who are fearful and hopeless and lost. And we have the message and we can encourage them. 
And I pray that you and I will come together and do that this very week. The final little check mark there and the first boilant, first bullet point on point number one is Paul was in prison but was totally motivated to encourage others to them to be remain steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord as we see here at the close of chapter one. That's the context, brethren. Paul was in prison, but that context and that circumstance did not limit his ability to reach out and build the body of Christ. In fact, he was reaching out to those who are not Christians, those guards, and he was encouraging the brethren even by this letter so we too can do the same thing. For we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places as Paul was and now is in sight, seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Again, how did Paul do this? Well, how he did it is how we do it. You see, we need to recognize and understand that we need to have the mind of Christ. Turn with me to the book of Philippians and chapter 2 now. As we have seen Paul possessing the mind of Christ, now we are encouraged by Paul in this passage of Scripture to possess the mind of Christ. Take a look there in Philippians in chapter 2. And I would encourage you to read the whole thing. It's so powerful. But I want to take a look at verses 3 through 8. And it's a passage that many of us are familiar with. But let's be reminded, brethren. Notice what it says. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. And do not look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude, have this mindset that was in Christ Jesus. Although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, and uh, taking on the form of a bond servant and being made in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You know, the scripture teaches that we need to sacrifice ourselves for one another. It says, love one another. You know how people outside of Christ are going to know that we are his disciples? is by our love for one another. And so we need to sacrifice ourselves, brethren, for each other and for those who are outside. Put other people first. You see, it's so important for us to recognize that joy does not come from dwelling on the challenges and difficulties in our, in our lives. Joy doesn't come from, woe is me. Joy and pleasures come from, how are thee? Asking the question, how are the brethren? And reaching out to them specifically, how are you doing? What can I do to help you, brother? What can I do to help you, sister? That's how we have true joy and true pleasure. If I wouldn't have reached out to the brethren, Sean would not have sent that really super encouraging message to me. And I would not have, in love, reached out to him with some scriptures. And my heart was touched as is right in the Lord. I'm so thankful for these opportunities. So let's not be woe is me and looking around at all the problems in our lives right now, but rather we should be like Paul, how are you, how are thee? And ask the question and step into the, the brother and sister's life and those who are not yet Christians. How important that is. Take advantage of the opportunity, brethren. But I want you to take a look at point number two. Really, all of this is possible if we walk in the faith of Christ. 
Christ, we need to recognize, walked perfectly after the Father's plan. And it says that he set the the race. He set the path. That's why it says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. His life was a life of sacrifice. And we're to follow in his footsteps. He's blazed the path. He's given us the standard of the path that we see there in Psalms in chapter 16 and verse 11. And he did that by faith. Let's walk in the faith of Christ. You see, the foundation of Christ's faith, though, was a complete and total trust in what God called him to be and to do. And we find that, brethren, in the scriptures. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of Christ. The faith of Christ is found in the scriptures. So turn there and look to see the face of Christ, the life of Christ, and follow that example. Look at the first bullet point there, brethren, on point number two, rejoicing greatly in God's provision. Let's turn to the book of Philippians in chapter four now and get a specific context to Paul's statement I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Begin in verse 10 with me. Verse 10, Paul says, Now I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last you have revived your concern for me. And And then jump down to verse 14, right after Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We see this passage, he says in verse 14, Nevertheless, You have done well to share with me in my affliction. Here's the brethren physically sharing with the Apostle Paul, their brother, in helping him as we can do for each other now. Notice verse 15. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, But I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Powerful statement. You see that Paul was completely trusting in God and God provided for him as he walked by faith and not by sight. And we can do the same, brethren. Take a look at that first check mark there under rejoicing greatly in God's provision. Notice, Paul rejoiced that God was providing for him in his need, but he was doing that. God was doing that through other Christians. You see, each of us have needs, brother. Each of us have needs, sister. And, and, and the other brethren are to provide for those as we are to provide for each other's needs. The power of the Spirit of Christ empowering and encouraging and providing for each other. It's absolutely amazing. You know, each of us has personal needs. Each of us has emotional needs. Each of us has spiritual needs. We have physical needs as well. And we should understand those needs and provide for them. Paul's rejoicing that God provided for his needs through the brethren who loved him. Look at the second check mark there. Paul's rejoicing in the Lord 
Why? Because he knows that the Lord is going to provide back for those Christians who sacrifice themselves to provide for his need. He was rejoicing because God is the one who is a provider of all good things. You know, I love the passage of scripture in Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 11, where it says, he who waters others waters himself. That's a paradox of giving, brethren, that God has established. You know, Jesus said it, what you have done by your standard of giving, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, overflowing into your lap. By how you have given, it will be given to you. And God's the one who gives. And so, brethren, it's for us, like Christ, to lay our lives down, sacrificing, giving of ourselves to others. That's where the true joy comes from. That's where the true pleasures come from, is when we give ourselves, like Christ, to serve others. Will you do that today? That's why Paul said, um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He has the right mindset and he's willing to sacrifice himself knowing that God is going to continue to give him the power to live the life of Christ. You see, in every circumstance, Paul trusted the Lord. Take a look at the bullet point, the second bullet point in, in point number two. Notice it says, trusting in the Lord in commitment. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Paul trusted in the Lord. How did he do it? He did it through trusting the Lord in complete contentment. Complete contentment. Paul was content. And notice the bullet points there. You see the bullet point. He says, trusting in the Lord in full contentment, meaning he was peaceful. He knew that God would provide as he continued to serve the Lord. The first uh, check mark there. I have learned. I have learned contentment in whatever circumstance I find myself. And the circumstances he's talking about is a circumstance in which he lives in poverty or he lives in prosperity. You know, how many times do we see Paul being beaten and he said he's hungry and in exposure and yet he doesn't uh, uh, give up. He continues to move forward with resolve and faith that God will provide for him. And we know that God continually does because he walked by faith and not by sight as we are called to. Look at the second check mark there. I have learned, Paul says, contentment in every circumstance because I've learned the secret of being content, being filled and going hungry, having abundance and suffering a uh, great need. You see in the context here in Philippians in chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, Paul is talking about a life where he is, is, is destitute and he's in prison, but he's not limited and he's not without. And so important for us to recognize when we are in this quarantine time, the great provision available to us in Christ Jesus, we are able with his strength to do all things. I want to close with this, this thought. Christ through faith in God's presence, in his plan and in his provision, was able to accomplish his purpose and his mission in this world. Paul, in the same way, placed into Christ in immersion, raised up, and seated with him in the heavenly places, 
had the power and had the joy and had the great pleasure of serving Christ Jesus sacrificially. And finally, we need to recognize and understand that is exactly what we have now in Christ Jesus. We have that power. We have that resolve. We have that trust. We have that faith. If we will walk in the word of Christ, possessing the faith of Christ, manifesting the sacrificial life of Christ. Let's close in a word of prayer and transition to our Lord's Lord's Supper time right now. So would you bow with me? Our holy God in heaven, the scriptures in the book of Ephesians and and chapter 3 and and verse 20 says, and he is able to do exceeding, and we are able to exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think through the power that works within us. That power, of course, is the indwelling presence of your son, Jesus Christ. And so we are able to do all things and we are able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think. And so we need to start thinking harder and we need to start uh, uh, doing, doing more. And God is going to empower us through that faith. Help us, Father, now to see Christ Jesus as the one who laid his life down for us so that we might do the same in this life. Not woe is me, but rather asking the brethren and others around us, how are thee that we might serve them in faith and resolve and trust and strength? Always in Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, as we turn to the Lord's Supper, I would like you to turn in your Bibles uh, to the book of Exodus. And in Exodus, there's a passage of scripture that talks about the construction of uh, the tabernacle. And there's a very interesting passage, one little verse there, that talks about the table of showbread. And I want to take a look at that because it has a great meaning uh, for us today during the Lord's Supper. We know that the tabernacle in the Old Testament is symbolic. The, the holy place is symbolic of the church. There is the Bible represented by the, the, the golden lampstand. And there's the, uh, the, the uh, altar of incense, which is representative of the prayer of the saints. And of course, there's the table of showbread, which is representative of the Lord's Supper. But I want to take a look at Exodus chapter 25, and particularly verse 30, talking about the showbread. And it uses a very interesting statement there. So if you would turn in your Bibles uh, to the book of Exodus in chapter 25 and verse 30, He's talking about the construction of the table and what needs to be on it. But take a look, would you? Take a look at verse 30. And I just want to make a few comments and then we can break bread together. You shall set the bread of the presence on the table before me at all times. You shall set the bread of the presence on the table before me at all times. You know, brethren, we come together each first day of the week to partake of the unleavened bread, which represents the, the, the sinless life of Christ. And we partake of the cup, which represents the, the blood sacrifice by which we are justified, by which we are sanctified. And so in partaking of the bread, we are partaking of that perfect, holy, and blameless life of Christ. And when we partake of the cup, we're partaking of that perfect and holy sacrifice of Christ for others that they might be saved. 
But it's interesting, we can fall into the trap of thinking that just doing that and we've done all that we are supposed to do. The word presence there means to turn the face toward. And we need to turn our face toward the sacrifice of Christ and his perfect life. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. We have our own cross to endure this week, brethren. And it's important for us to remember what Christ did in this Lord's Supper meal so that we would carry that remembrance into the week. That's why it says here, you shall set the bread of the presence on the table before me at all times. All times during the week, we are to remember the sacrifice of Christ. All times during the week, we're to remember that holy and blameless life of love that Jesus lived for us and for others so that we might walk in the same manner as he walked. And so as we partake of this bread and this cup, we would ask that you and I and all of us together would walk as Jesus walked, remembering the sacrifice. So let's pray together as we partake. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask in your Son's name, Jesus, as we remember the holy and blameless life that Jesus lived for us, that, Father, as we partake of the unleavened bread now, we remember that life that he lived and the life that he has given through his spirit, a life of, of holiness, a life of purity, a life of integrity, a life of faithfulness. Father, help us to live that life this week. Let us not forget who we are and let us not forget the life that we have been given, Father. We ask in Jesus' name. In the same way, we remember the, the sacrifice. We remember that you, you have spoken through the author of Hebrews that uh, there is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. But the scripture teaches in many passages, not only were we justified by the blood of Jesus, but we were also sanctified by the blood of Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to partake once again of this blood sacrifice. Remembering that we have been forgiven through that sacrifice, but as important that we remember that through the blood sacrifice that other people are forgiven. Help us to lay our lives down that others might become yours. During this week, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, whenever I do the Lord's Supper at home with my family, I always ask the Lord to bless our week. And so if you would bow with me right now and let's ask the Lord to bless our family, the church family, the body of Christ with great strength and courage to serve him this week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the example of uh, our brother, the Apostle Paul. Father, how powerful his example was. And Father, he was a man of great resolve. Uh, a great conviction, great trust, great strength, because he relied completely on you, walking by faith and not by sight. As we look around us, Father, we see the world's gone crazy and, and, and people are fearful and, and concerned and, and discouraged. And, and Father, 
when it gets darker in this world, we, as we step up and live the life of Christ, become great beacons of light for our brothers and sisters in Christ, but as important for those outside of Christ. Help us, Father, to be as Paul was, so are we, filled with joy, filled with the pleasures forever that we find in your Son, Jesus Christ, as we sacrifice ourselves in serving others. Praise you and thank you for the great opportunities that these challenges that we now experience provide for us to manifest the great character and love of Christ for others. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all, and we'll, Lord willing, see you next week or Wednesday night. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.